Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to the Nope Too Creepy podcast. I'm your host, Dan David, and I'll be your guide for this special Halloween-themed episode. Since the big day is less than a week away, it just seemed right to dedicate this podcast to the most ghoulish day of the year. This episode will feature a throwback to one of the first episodes I produced for Nope Too Creepy. After that, we come back to more of a recent creepypasta, and we'll end things off with an original story, with a small twist of reality. Without any further ado, let's get things started with a story that was written by Brendan Dean. This Halloween-themed story will have you second-guessing who you trust when it comes to trick-or-treating. Enjoy when they come alone. When they come alone. Written by Brendan Dean. Halloween is easily my favorite time of year. I always leave my porch light on during this gracious season, but I never buy any candy. The kids don't know that until they run screaming down the steps, usually tripping over each other as they fight selfishly for survival. You see, I just love to put on a scary mask from my ages-old collection before I open the door. I'll look through my peephole to see my guests, then I'll jump out and render their hearts to mush right in their chests. They rarely ever chant the whole trick-or-treat before they are falling over the porch. It gives me a good laugh while I'm waiting for the next unsuspecting children. The doorbell rings, and I hastily choose a different mask to scare this new set of victims. I look through the peephole, and what do I see? Nothing more than a single boy. He can't be more than 10 years old, donning a cute makeshift ghost costume. He seems to be trick-or-treating all by his lonesome, no parents or friends anywhere around. Poor thing. I take off my mask and grab a special piece of candy from the decorative table under the nearby window. I open the door and am welcomed by a stuttering trick-or-treat. I smile and offer him the candy. He reaches out to take it and I pull away. I tell him he can only have it if he eats it right now. He hesitates, but eventually he complies with my request. He lifts up the white cloth veil, revealing flushed red cheeks and fresh, glossy eyes. He grabs the candy, rips off the wrapper, and nearly swallows it whole. I smile again. What a delightful boy. I ask him if he liked it. He nods his head. But the nod begins to dull, and his eyes begin to close. His legs start to tremble before betraying his body and relinquishing their hold. He falls to the wood of the porch hard. I pick him up and carry him inside. I do love the trick-or-treaters to scare them as they come to my door, but what I enjoy the most is when they come alone. Because when they come alone, I get to add a new mask to my collection. Things got uh, a little dark there, didn't they? You can thank Brendan Dean for that. If that name sounds familiar, 
it's because he is the voice behind the YouTube channel Darkness Prevails. I've had the privilege to narrate some of his original stories and even collaborate with him on some videos, which can all be heard on YouTube. I'll leave the links in the show notes. Moving on to the next story. This one, written by Reddit user Benson4535, will be very relatable to anyone who grew up in a house that had, well, let's just call it activity. I personally had experiences in the house I grew up in as a child, so this one really stood out to me. Maybe, just maybe, it'll stand out to you too, as we journey back in time to 4 Maria Street. I was born in a small town in Ontario, Canada. Now, my dad told me that growing up in our first home, there was a lot of activity that was a little unnerving. I had a friend that my parents could not see. I described her as an older lady named Mary. I would sit on my bed and listen to Mary tell me story after story for hours on end. My dad was very worried about this. Eventually, he decided to ask me about Mary. I started telling him about how she looked and what she would tell me, including a story about my dad breaking a statue when he was nine years old. This caught my dad by surprise. Apparently, this statue was in fact broken by my dad when he was by his babysitter's house. And as far as he knew, that babysitter never told my grandma. He asked my grandmother about it, and she looked at him oddly as he told the story and said she had never heard of that before. This sent a chill down his spine. He then asked my grandmother what the first name of the babysitter was, since he always called her Miss D. Her name was Marianne. My dad was floored. When he got home, he went into my room, and there I was, talking to Mary. He just watched from the door as I sat there talking to some invisible person about my day and my toys and whatever else came to mind. Eventually, my parents came to see Mary as a positive, despite the odd things that would happen. For instance, whenever it got cold, blankets would inexplicably be wrapped around my sister and myself. Yet, the blankets were stored too high for us to reach ourselves. When asked, I would tell them about Mary bringing them to us. Not all the spirits of that house were good, though. As children, we were afraid of a separate room in the basement next to the laundry room. It was a barren, concrete room. We used to complain about a terrifying man in that room who was chained to the wall. As I grew older, I felt it was silly to be afraid of this man. Mary was long gone from my mind and I would pass through the room with no issues. Until one day when I was home with the chicken pox. My grandmother was watching me. I was about eight years old at the time. 
I was helping my grandmother with laundry when she had to bring up a basket of clean laundry. I knew how to work the washer and dryer and how to switch the clothes, so I did that while she ran up. I was almost done when I heard something weird from the next room, the barren room. I stopped and listened for it again. A few minutes went by and nothing happened. I finished what I was doing and went to turn on the dryer when I heard it again. It sounded like a chain being dropped. I stood in silence as I heard it again, then a metal dragging sound. It was then that I made a very poor decision. I began to walk toward the room. As I stepped inside the room, all the sounds had stopped. I saw nothing. I stood there for several minutes, just glancing around. Nothing stirred. I turned to leave, when standing right there in the doorway was a tall, thin man wearing dirty and torn clothing. Around his leg was a long, rusty chain. I was absolutely frozen in fear. He walked oddly. I could see the skin over his thin limbs stretched like elastic as he shambled towards me. This is where I fell over and covered my face up. I let out a blood-curdling scream until I felt hands on me. I started to scramble and fight back until I heard my grandmother's voice. What is it? What's wrong? I opened my eyes and realized my grandmother was holding me. My heart was racing and I blurted out the whole story. She just looked down at me with worried eyes and brought me upstairs. We moved out of that house a few months later. I never set foot in that basement again. In my teenage years, I did some research and found that the people who owned the house before us had a son with a mental disorder of some sort. They abused and tortured this poor kid, even going so far as to chain him up in that basement. His existence was unknown until after his parents had passed away. The boy's body was found. He had died of starvation, still chained up to the wall. The thought of that continues to send chills through my spine to this day. Damn, that one really did kind of hit home. I'm hesitant to get into the details of what I experienced as a kid in my old house. I believe speaking of certain events particularly of that nature, gives them energy. But with that said, if all goes well with this podcast, I might just have to make it a special feature or something like that. We'll just have to wait and see. Alright everybody, speaking of real life haunts, this next and final story follows a young woman who is plagued by a persistent spirit. This, like most of the stories I've written, 
is somewhat exaggerated, but is based around true events. And this one might actually be the least exaggerated of anything I've written. But enough buildup. I present to you, I want the ghost that haunted me to come back. You really don't know what you have until it's gone. I'll premise this story with some information about my living situation. I'm a single female, working professional, living on my own in Southern California. I've been in the apartment I currently live in for about two years. I lived in a different apartment a year before that. Throughout those three years, I've been followed by something I can't explain. I constantly notice weird things happening, sounds, things moving around on their own, and on really bad nights, unexplainable bruises on my arms and legs. These experiences are so prevalent that I can honestly say I'm not even scared anymore, for the most part. I've even given this entity a nickname, Apartment Ghost. Cut me some slack on the creativity, I'm a left brain person. We can call it APT-G for short. Now that you have an understanding of my unique situation, we can proceed with the events of this story. About a month ago, I went to Chicago to visit some family and friends. I was staying with my cousin, who owns a home in the suburbs. This cousin of mine, let's call him John, has three young kids. Willie, age five, Chris, age three, and Danny, age one. These kids are amazing, well-behaved, respectful, smart, and pretty funny for being so young. Willie is extremely outgoing. Danny is the princess of the house, naturally. And Chris, well, Chris has the traits you'd expect from a middle child. He's quiet, kind of shy, and mostly does his own thing. Oh, and he's my favorite. Things were normal for the first few nights I stayed in the house. It wasn't until the third night that something strange happened. It was about 11 p.m., and I was sitting with my cousin John and his wife. We were having some drinks, shooting the shit, and just hanging out in the family room. We all paused and looked at each other when we heard the front door lock click to unlock. We sort of just sat there, frozen, looking and feeling more confused than we were scared. That is until the front door actually began to creak open before slamming shut with a loud thud. John sprang into action and ran to the door to check things out. All seemed normal. There was no sign of anybody coming in. If someone had entered, there's no way they would have gotten away quick enough to not be detected. Regardless, we all went ahead and searched every inch of the house. None of us found anything. The kids were still asleep in their rooms. As cliche as this may be, we ended up blaming the weather. It was winter in Chicago after all. John figured he hadn't completely shut the door, 
and that a powerful gust of wind did the rest. Things continued to be normal for the next day. I had left John's house early in the morning, heading off to stay with a different relative who was closer to the city. I would only be there for a night or two before returning to the suburbs, so I gave John a call in order to figure things out. That's when he mentioned something about his son, Chris. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. The morning you left, Chris came into our room crying. He said he was having a nightmare about a scary dark man watching him sleep. I raised an eyebrow. Oh? Does he usually have nightmares? No, that's the weird part. This is the first time he's mentioned having them, John replied. But I guess it was bound to happen at some point. I sort of shrugged it off at first. Kids have nightmares all the time. I went about my day, visiting friends and exploring the city. Eventually, the time came to return to the suburbs. I arrived at John's and was immediately greeted by his children with big hugs. Willie took charge, dragging me by the hand to show me his latest school project. As I followed him, I noticed Chris go and sit down by himself, playing with his action figures. He usually stuck by his brother's side from what I saw. Again, I shrugged it off and followed Willie. When he was done showing off his project, I walked over and sat on the ground next to Chris. Hey bud, how are you? Chris looked up at me and forced a smile. I noticed he looked exhausted, with small bags under his formerly bright eyes. He whimpered back. I'm a little tired, I guess. What's the matter? Couldn't sleep last night? He stopped playing with his toys and began to stare at the floor. Without looking up at me, he whispered, He... He won't let me sleep. I was taken aback. Who could he be talking about? Willie? His dad? Why wouldn't they let him sleep? Who won't let you sleep, Chris? That's when he looked up at me for a moment. His tired eyes were now filled with a combination of fear and concern. Your friend from California. I immediately felt chills run down my spine. He couldn't possibly be referring to what I thought he was, could he? Chris, who... who are you... Before I could finish my sentence, Chris's head jerked back up from his toys. He was now facing my direction, eyes wide and mouth slightly agape. I noticed after a second that though he was staring near me, he wasn't actually staring at me. He was staring just barely above my shoulder. Remembering the look of absolute terror he had on his face still gives me goosebumps. After a moment, he slowly turned his gaze to meet mine. It was as if he was pleading with me for help. I didn't see whatever he was looking at. I didn't dare turn my head 
even in the slightest. All I could think to do was wrap him in my arms and hug him tight. He buried his face in my torso, and I can feel his small frame shaking frantically. I felt horrible. Had I done this? Did I say something in passing about apartment ghost that he may have overheard? I couldn't make sense of any of it. Just then, John came and told us that dinner was ready. He looked down at us with confusion. Uh, everything alright, you two? I quickly spoke up. Yeah, all good. Chris is just feeling a bit tired is all. I bet he is. Little guy has barely slept since you left. I forced a fake smile and nodded. John repeated to us that dinner was ready and that we should go ahead and get cleaned up. I picked up Chris and walked him over to the sink. He had his face in my shoulder the whole time. He calmed down a bit at dinner. I didn't mention anything to his parents. I was afraid they would think I was filling his head with horror stories. They know I have a bit of an obsession with them. That night, Chris was finally able to fall asleep. I can't say the same for myself. All night, the guest room I stayed in was filled with random noises. Clicks, taps, creaks. You name it, I heard it. I did eventually drift off and catch some sleep, but woke up feeling unrested. Eventually, the time came to say goodbye. John packed my bags into his car, ready to drive me to the airport. I hugged his wife and kids, telling them how much I'd miss them and that I'd be back soon. I hugged Chris last. Right before I pulled away, he whispered something in my ear. Please, don't leave me alone with him. My eyes got wide and I began to tear up. I wasn't sure exactly why, but the amount of sorrow in his simple request shook me up. I stared back at him, not knowing what to say. His mom stepped in, laughing telling him that I had to go and that he'd see me again soon. I nodded politely and walked to the door, left the house and sat in the car. As John drove off, I glanced back at the kids, who were now standing outside the door. Willie was waving goodbye, and baby Danny did the same in her mother's arms. Chris, though, was occupied with something else. He was looking up to the window of his bedroom. I looked up there too. Just as John turned a corner, I caught a glimpse of something. In Chris's window stood a dark figure. It's hard to describe as it wasn't something I have seen before. It sort of had a human shape, but appeared to be draped in a large dark cloth or robe. I immediately burst into tears at the sight of it. John looked at me and patted me on the shoulder. It's okay, cuz. 
You can come back and visit anytime. I nodded and tried my best to collect myself. Do I tell him? Do I just hope the situation deals with itself on its own? What would I even say? What would he say? Was this really my fault somehow? I decided I would keep my mouth shut. I'm a firm believer that acknowledging any type of negative entity is the first step in giving it power. I figured his ignorance was bliss, both for him and his kids. Fast forward to the other night. I got a call from John. I hadn't heard from him since returning to California, so I had put the entire incident out of my mind. Unfortunately, I had spoken too soon. John began to explain the news of his kids. Yeah, we had to ground Willie last week. Oh no, what did he do? Ah, he keeps bullying his little brother. What? That doesn't sound like him at all. That's what we thought, but we keep finding bruises all over Chris. I thought I was going to throw up. It was still happening. And it wasn't until that moment, upon hearing him say that, that I realized the activity I experienced so frequently in my own apartment had completely ceased. Bruises? I asked with a shaky voice. Yeah. We're pretty sure that Willie is going into his room at night and teasing him. We're finding new bruises every morning. Willie is denying it, but what else could it be? I continued to listen and somehow made it through the conversation. I've been thinking of Chris non-stop since then. It seems whatever that thing is that used to torment me decided to find a new victim. A new victim that wasn't so jaded and desensitized like I had become over the years. And it found one. So I guess what I'm saying is I need help. Chris needs help. If anyone can provide insight, I would appreciate it. I just really want the ghost that haunted me to come back. Without getting into too much detail, I will reiterate that the story you just heard is only slightly exaggerated in order to combine the events into a cohesive story. The events behind this left me shook when they were told to me. But again, I don't want to get into them, unless it's for a special podcast episode. <laughs> well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this special Halloween episode of the podcast. This is podcast number three, which means we are now eligible for platforms such as iTunes and Spotify. Fingers crossed that we can reach that point before October 31st. But whether or not that happens, above all else, remember to be careful out there this weekend. I always end my videos by pleading with you fine people to stay safe out there. But 
this is one of those weekends where I really have to insist. Hearing about the horrors of this world in audio form is one thing, but living it? Well, we should just do our best to avoid it, huh? Be extra alert. Use the buddy system. Be extra careful with what you eat and drink. Hell, I'll even go so far as to say look both ways before crossing the street. You've heard it all before, people. Everything the adults droned about when you were a kid, apply it when you're out celebrating. Until next time, everyone, and I'll repeat myself, stay safe out there. I'll be seeing you in the next episode. Oh, and happy Halloween. Nope.